0: hi everyone welcome to sex ed podcast i'm jen and i'm kaylee this week jen and i are going to be
1: talking about queer inclusive sex ed Ooh, ah, oh, yeah we're gonna talk about what is it why is it important and how you can help establish it amen <laughs> amen <laughs> anyways uh we hope you enjoy So to get started, let's talk about what we learned about queer people growing up, whether that was sex ed or whatnot. I have a few things written down that I can start off with. As I've mentioned before, I grew up very, very, very Christian. So my view of gay people was no bueno <laughs> for the most part. I mean, I think it was not as hateful as some other parts of America but it was definitely mm. like this is not okay and god does not accept it i imagine something similar for you
0: yeah i got mixed messages for sure i got i grew up in an evangelical lutheran church and officially the lutheran position was that queer people were like accepted into the clergy i believe there was something around them needing to be married or in some sort of committed relationship. With someone of the same sex? Yes. Oh. I suppose they were more concerned about promiscuity than they were about gayness. Yeah. Um, it was similar for the Episcopalian church. They started letting people into the clergy, gay people into the clergy in the early 2000s. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, the individual churches had like, ideas on queer people as well so they were definitely not like openly welcomed in the churches that I went to yeah. and I got mixed messages from my parents as well I mean like you said they were it was always to treat people with respect but it was mm-hmm. also very clear that like that was not what God wanted you to be or do so yeah yeah So I
1: was in high school from 2006 to 2010 and smack in the middle Mm. of that in 2008 was when Prop 8 was happening in California, Mm. which was a proposition to make gay marriage illegal, but it was ruled as unconstitutional, fortunately. But I do remember there being a pretty big divide. Like Mm. the therapist I was going to at the time was actively protest or I guess not protesting it. What's the opposite of protesting it? Advocating for it or yeah. like, you know, they would like stand on corners with signs
0: and like activist
1: stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And then I remember the Gay Straight Alliance at my school, you know, they were people were doing the Day of Silence, mm-hmm. you know, they were advocating for it. So it was really interesting seeing the older generation of people in my life, my therapist, some of my family members, church mm-hmm. officials being so against it. But then so many of my peers being for it. So that was kind of interesting.
0: Yeah, I remember in high school, like very much so queer rights, but more so than that, like the existence of queerness and gay people as like valid was always up for debate. Like now I wouldn't even entertain such an, a debate, obviously. But like, yeah. yeah, I remember it was a hot button issue and like very politicized. And mm-hmm. I grew up in obviously a very conservative area as well. So people were constantly... <laughs> Saying stupid shit. Yeah. It's funny because
1: I I guess have almost the opposite experience because I grew up in the Bay Area, which is extreme mm-hmm. liberal. Yeah, but and extremely gay. <laughs> yeah, but but then I was also in this bubble of very religious people. And since I went to a Christian school basically up until high school, a lot of my friends and my friends parents were against same-sex marriage and I actually specifically mm. remember arguing with my friends mom about it in the car one time. And it's weird because I I must have been really pro gay people in high school and then I think I I went back on it a little bit when I became really Christian. And then I kind of came back around. That's not some foreshadowing. Right.
0: (laughs) I was really pro-gay people for some reason. (laughs) I mean, me too. Me too, right?
1: (laughs) It's an easy way to get connected to the community without committing to it. Okay.
0: Right. It's an easy way to like be close and being like, I'm an ally. Also, I like women. (laughs) (laughs) I'm an ally to women's (laughs) pussies.
1: So what about sex ed
0: class for you? Was there anything mm-hmm. at all about yeah, I figured no <laughs> You couldn't see that, but my my face was like, what the fuck? no I feel like um, the, your face I, I audibly heard it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was like you gotta be kidding me. I mean there was barely anything about pleasure at all, right? Like mm-hmm. I vaguely remember talking about masturbation a little bit and it was like vaguely discouraged. so there was absolutely nothing about how to be intimate even really as a straight person,
1: mm-hmm.
0: let alone as a gay, intersex, queer person, like whatever, whatever your sexuality and bodies are, if it wasn't like white and straight. Yeah. It was not covered. Yep.
1: What about you? Same? Definitely nothing at all, which is really sad because there was LGBTQ plus kids at my school for sure.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, also a spoiler, we were, even if we weren't like super out, but um, I didn't know. <laughs> I got some good sex ed in college, actually. The freshman orientation, they had like a bunch of stuff you had to go to around safety and a lot of it was boring, but they had this oh. teacher and she had a talk or a presentation called Sex Rules which mm-hmm. was obviously like could play on like rules you need to follow and rules like sex is great and amazing. And she was <laughs> extremely explicit. She got into lots of different orifices and different genders and body nice. parts and, and, how, and how and what to do and covered sexual assault in detail and how to communicate. And like, Whoa, <laughs> like, wow. blew my mind. So that was probably the only like official sex education in a school setting that I got that was inclusive.
1: Wow so obviously neither of us got queer inclusive sex ed growing up i mean i guess you did in college but that's kind of pretty late so why don't we start off talking about why queer inclusive sex ed is important and i have a slew of stats to share with you
0: are you going to tell us the answer
1: i am going to tell you the answer great so the glsen which is the gay lesbian straight education network They've been around since 1999. They do all kinds of research on LGBT youth, particularly in schools. Mm. And they do a report every other year called the Biennial National School Climate Survey, where they research things about LGBTQ youth. Mm. I think they ask a lot of the same questions year after year so they can track things. Nice. And that is where I'm getting all of these statistics. Again, that's GLSEN. This is from the 2019 School Climate Report for LGBT youth. I believe they are currently working on the 2021 version, but we are going to use the one from 2019. So one of the most remarkable things to me from these statistics is that 98.8% of LGBT students heard the term gay used negatively Mm -hmm. at school and 91.8% felt distressed by it. Over 90% of students heard homophobic remarks like no homo or the words dyke or faggot or told that they weren't acting feminine or masculine enough. Over 50% of LGBT students in schools as of 2019 heard homophobic remarks from their teachers or staff at the school. Oh
0: my God. (laughs)
1: And only 13% of LGBT youth reported teachers actually intervening when they
0: overheard homophobic remarks. Jesus Christ. Also, that 13% were English and drama teachers. I know that for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Accurate. The only safe places in a high school. <laughs> so that's just
1: verbal harassment. Yeah. We are going to talk now about physical harassment. These numbers are pretty upsetting. Just as a heads up. of LGBTQ students as of the 2019 survey experienced physical harassment, meaning being pushed or shoved due to their sexual orientation this day and age. (laughs) And over 20% of students experienced physical harassment because of their gender or gender expression. And here we get to the even scarier ones, physical assault, meaning punching, kicking, or being injured with a weapon. 11% of students experienced physical assault, based on their sexual orientation, over 9% experienced physical assault based on their gender or gender expression. 58.3% of LGBTQ students experience sexual harassment at school. 44.9% of LGBT students experience cyberbullying based on their sexual orientation or gender.
0: This is like a lot to take in. It is a lot. (laughs) Yeah, this is
1: insane. Yeah, keep going. Yeah, I only have a few more on this before we move on to how it affects people. Yeah. 56.6 of LGBT students did not report any of this harassment or assault because they didn't think anything would come of it or they were worried about further problems happening. And 60% said that they were ignored when they complained. And again, this is modern times. This is not 2006 Jen and Kaylee High School. This is 2019. 2019. So the problem here is that students that experience these things are way more likely to miss school because they feel afraid. Yeah. They're more likely to have lower GPAs probably because they're either missing school or distracted in school.
0: Yeah. Worried about like getting a uh, fucking assaulted with yeah being exactly kicked or shoved my god
1: they are more likely not to pursue higher education probably because mm. school's been a shit experience for them yeah they're more likely to get in trouble and be disciplined at school they're more likely to have lower self esteem and they are likely to have high levels of depression and I think we've all heard the statistics about LGBT youth being
0: much more likely to commit suicide yeah yeah that extends to a lot of <sighs> A lot of other ways that LGBTQ youth are marginalized. Like they're a lot more likely to be homeless. They're a lot more likely to struggle, you know, getting adequate medical care and all of that. And all of that can be, you know, going back to the education that they were afforded in their childhoods and the security surrounding that. This is like systemic. It like reaches into a lot of areas of life. This is really sad.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So To try to lift the mood up just a little bit, there is good news. (laughs) As I said, they've been doing this research since 1999 and there has been actually a pretty clear downward trend on the percentage of LGBT students experiencing harassment and assault over the past two, five, and ten years for the most part. So I think that pretty clearly shows us that having LGBT issues discussed in a larger political realm, having gay marriage federally legalized, having more LGBTQ representation in media. I think that's all doing a lot to help make those things better, but it's still not good. And a lot of the reason for that is because at this current moment, only about 8% of students receive any kind of LGBT inclusive sex ed. Damn. What does that mean? Does that mean like any sort of mention of it at all? (laughs) Like gay people exist? (laughs) I'm glad you asked. (laughs) What would LGBT inclusive sex ed look like? I think a lot of fears from particularly worried parents are that LGBT inclusive sex ed would be like, this is how you do it in
0: the butt. But... (laughs) (laughs) Uh, that's not what it is yeah it but goes back to like people thinking if you teach kids about sex that you're like condoning sex or telling them to have sex and if you right like admit that gay people exist you're gonna like turn them gay which like <laughs> that would not be the worst thing to happen but also is not real
1: yeah so one of my favorite things that i found was this quote from a teacher uh in a post by the atlantic that said lgbt inclusive sex ed is not saying there's this thing called gay sex, and this is how you do it. It's more like this contraception would be used for a penis, and that would be used for a vagina, and that would be used for anal sex, and this would be used for oral sex. Mm. So it's more speaking in broad terms, giving everybody the information that they would need for a variety of ways to have sex. Yeah. And one of the other resources I looked at was an article from the Huffington Post where they interviewed a bunch of different sex educators. So one of the ways that sex ed could be more inclusive for everyone is talking about gender identity. So gender identity actually starts forming super early in life. I did not know this, but Mm. roughly around the age of three. And gender identity is a fucking heavy topic if we just ignore it and don't talk to kids about it and just be like, you're a girl, you're a girl, you're a girl. Then as they get older, if they question that, they're going to be like, Oh shit, what do I do? And they're going to have a bad time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: Jen, say that more eloquently. <laughs> it's like presenting the only options to children as like boy and girl and like girl, vagina, boy, penis, no other <laughs> No other moving from those fixed points is like not how humans are. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's like not how any any type of gender works, even like being cisgender. So Mm -hmm. yeah, you're super right that these conversations need to happen. At least letting children know that like, Different Mm -hmm. types of genders and different types of people and different types of families exist. Exactly. And this is not telling kids that they should be trans or non-binary. This is giving Mm -hmm.
1: them information that's age appropriate as they grow up so they can make the right decisions for themselves when the time is right. Right. Another one is teaching information on periods to everyone, not ushering the boys out of the classroom and acting like it's something to be shamed on. What the fuck is that about? Honestly, why do we do that? I don't know. But at first when I read this, I was like, why would that matter to LGBT people? But then it said that basically that would force trans and non-binary kids to either out themselves or miss an important lesson on something they might need to know. Mm Mm-hmm. And it also yeah. de- destigmatizes having a uterus and a very natural part of it.
0: Exactly. Because like trans men get periods sometimes mm-hmm. and non-binary people like they get periods, right? Like body yeah. parts do not determine your your gender, like your exactly. You know.
1: Another one is Discussion on STI's so Mm. the LGBT community is actually at an increased risk of STI's and pregnancy Mm. For instance, there's the myth that lesbians can't get STI's The idea would be for inclusive sex ed here to be talking about STI's as a normal thing talking openly about not only You know what they are what you can do to help if you get one, but also talking about preventative measures including things Mm -hmm. like prep
0: Right Absolutely. And like everyone getting vaccinated for HPV, not just girls. <laughs> mm-hmm. Another one is
1: teaching that sex is so much more than PIV, which stands for penis in vagina. My favorite, favorite thing that they wrote in this article is sex is like a cheesecake factory menu.
0: <laughs> oh, my God. No, that's the word. <laughs> well, their point was that overwhelming and terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> I know that's what I thought too. <laughs> Doesn't make any sense at all. Gives everyone diarrhea. <laughs> Just super full of dairy and cheese. I
1: know. <laughs> no, I think their point was that there's a lot of different things on the menu. You might really like some, you might eventually try some, you might try one and decide it's not for you. You might take some home in a takeout box. Ha ha, that last one was a joke. <laughs> but the idea here is that A lot of times when you're taught about sex, you are taught about it, particularly from a PIV perspective, partially because, you know, that's a heteronormative way to talk about sex. But in reality, not only would this include LGBT people, this would help fucking everyone because I do not know a single person, no matter how goddamn hetero they are, that (laughs) only has penis and vagina sex. I feel like we could find them, you know? Uh, They probably exist,
0: exist, but... (laughs) Yeah, yeah, of course. This would be helpful for any and everyone who puts their genitals in a place besides someone else's genitals, you know?
1: Yeah, and it, I mean, it normalizes pleasure, mm-hmm. not sex just for procreation. And it also, I think, takes PIV off of this weird pedestal that a lot of yeah. people Yeah, what is that about? And it makes virginity not that big of a deal, which it should not be, especially, yeah. you
0: know, when you're in high school, you're like, oh, ah! about virginity. Exactly. There's like a lot of fear around that too. And everyone telling you like PIV is going to hurt and it's like terrible experience and blah, blah, blah. And all the
1: little LGBTQ kids are like, well, I guess I'll never lose my virginity because I can't put a P in a V.
0: Right. And also virginity is real. (laughs) (laughs) So let's get rid of that shit, people.
1: It'll help everyone. Yeah. Uh, I've got two more. Dosmas. The next is that sexuality is fluid. A lot of times people get really hung up on labels. And I think this can be particularly damaging for younger people who, if they do say that they're bi, need to feel like they have to Mm. prove their sexual orientation, or maybe someone feels like they need to prove their gender identity. Yeah. Especially for young people, teaching them, hey, these things exist. You don't have to hold yourself to a label. You're allowed to feel things and change them, and you don't have to prove it to anyone.
0: Yeah. All of this is hard to navigate enough, especially for like the first time if you're in high school or younger. And then to also have to be like, well, then I guess I'm gay or I guess I'm straight or like whatever it is, is like another layer of, of like complicating things. It's not
1: like choosing a college major it can change. Yeah. (laughs) And finally, another suggestion they had was discussion of body parts. So a lot of times, very particularly intersex youth are completely left out of discussions of sexual and anatomical development. And I think we can actually broaden this from more than what This article particularly said, and say that Mm. non white bodies, non thin bodies, non abled bodies are also not Mm. really included in any discussions of body parts, whether that's in science class or in health class. And yeah, if you're someone who doesn't fit that exact representation of a vulva or a penis or a whatever. You might be sitting there
0: going, oh, my God, I'm fucked up. And so then you go to porn and you're like, maybe there will be more people like me. And there aren't. (laughs) Uh.
1: So an important part of making sure kids feel accepted and safe and not harassed is by showing a diverse range of bodies and genitals to everyone.
0: Yeah. Yeah people who are different, like it will normalize some stuff and it'll also, I mean, also normalize for people who might have their bodies represented. Like, oh, there are bodies that look different than mine. (laughs) Those are normal. And, you know, probably to some extent make it okay or make people more comfortable to perhaps feel attracted to those bodies, you know, because, you know, there's a whole component of like what we're fed in the media, like we tend to be attracted to, but we're only... We're only fed at like a very narrow amount of representation yes. there. So
1: yeah, normal normalization for all. Exactly. So that just scratches the surface of what LGBT inclusive yeah. sex ed would look like. But the idea is that we would cover multiple forms of sexual orientation, gender identity, gender expression, and just make sure that people understand it's normal and okay. Yeah.
0: We're n- it's not I'm saying gay. everyone should be gay. It's no different from what we say around quote unquote like straight sex mm-hmm. ed giving people and to some extent children like age appropriate tools so that they can glean their own understanding and make their own decisions is like the goal yeah. of a lot of sex ed and a lot of life really honestly. Mm-hmm. So you do the same thing around Queer stuff. Maybe your kids aren't queer, but they should know that those people exist or maybe they are queer and they're closeted and they need to know that it's okay to be whoever they are. So just acknowledge that it exists. People Mm -hmm. will be in a much better spot. It's. I mean, it's kind of the same idea as abstinence
1: only sex ed. Mm. You can't just pretend LGBTQ people don't exist and not teach them about it. It's better to inform everybody. So. I think that this ties really well into a previous episode we did this season about sex ed funding and racism. So as a quick reminder, there were three different sex ed funding policies that we talked about, AFLA, Title V, and CBAE. Basically, the TLDR of those is that they all give money to schools that teach abstinence-only sex ed. Mm. And a lot of them have rules about only teaching abstinence, only or lying mm-hmm. about
0: condoms yeah, or just straight up like not telling you truth. Yeah. And <laughs> sorry, it's not funny, but like, I, if I wasn't laughing, it's I'd be sad crying, funny
1: so. for sure. Yeah. At least for me, I think I can sometimes be a little ignorant to how bad things can be in a lot of other parts of the United States because I live in California, but there are actually currently seven states that actively prohibit sex educators from discussing or answering questions about LGBTQ identities and relationships, or they require sex educators to frame LGBTQ identities and relationships
0: negatively. What the actual fuck? What do you do if someone asks you a question? Are you just supposed to say like, I can't answer that? I guess. <laughs> what the fuck? What if you were like in algebra and, and like you, you were like, I don't know how to solve for X. And the teacher was just like, yeah, legally, I can't <laughs> fucking tell you how to solve for X. Or I can only tell you that solving for X is shameful and wrong. Right. <laughs> you You should only solve for Y.
1: Never solve for X. <laughs> <laughs> if anyone is curious, those states are Alabama, Arizona, Louisiana, Mississippi, Oklahoma, South Carolina, and Texas. <sighs> Alabamas Damn. Uh, is really fucked up. Actually, they, I took this from an article. They said that they teach kids that homosexuality is not a lifestyle acceptable to the general public and that homosexual conduct is a criminal offense under the laws of the state. And teachers can actually get legally in trouble for teaching anything about homosexuality being okay. Damn. Sounds like that needs
0: to go to a Supreme Court somewhere.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So fortunately, it is not all bad. There are places where LGBTQ inclusive sex ed does exist. You know, 8% of students, woohoo. I believe one of them is Washington State or Seattle somewhere has something going on about that, but... Jen actually found an article about Scotland in July of 2020. They actually were the first country in Europe to introduce LGBTQ inclusive lessons to all of their public schools. And they are enacted now. It was mandated, right? It was like started in 2021. It's super sick. They're talking about same sex marriage, same sex parenting, they're also covering things like homophobia, biphobia, transphobia, and what? HIV and AIDS. I know. I was I saw Dude. biphobia in there
0: and I was like, oh, really? I would have been the most bisexual person if we talked about biphobia <laughs> in school. <laughs> would have just been released from the biphobia. It's really that incredible. Is really amazing. Yeah. It does
1: exist. What's really important is working towards it so yeah if we've only got eight percent of lgbt students getting lgbtq inclusive sex ed that's kind of a depressing statistic right you might be wondering what the fuck can i do what the fuck
0: i was wondering that really thank you well let
1: me tell you great (laughs) There's a couple of things that can be really helpful, particularly for LGBTQ youth. The GLSEN, which is, again, the Gay Lesbian Straight Education Network, noted that having Gay Straight Alliance Clubs, also known as GSA clubs, can Mm. help LGBT youth feel safer, get harassed less, and feel more accepted. Mm. Additionally, that tends to help... The non-LGBT youth bully less. They're more accepting mm-hmm. and they're kinder of their peers. If you have a kid in school, find out if there's a GSA club. If there's not, consider trying to get one started. Get involved. Love It, it might depend on where you live if that is safe.
0: Yeah, if you live in Alabama, you might not want to. But, but
1: that is a really good way to help make sure that kids feel safe and included. And if your kid is straight, Mm -hmm. they can still start the GSA club. It's a gay straight
0: alliance. Right. There's a whole letter in there for straight people. (laughs) They get a letter. Yeah. And half of the alliance. So (laughs) Uh, another
1: thing you can do is just be loudly and visibly supportive to LGBT kids. Even having one Mm -hmm. adult in a LGBT kids' life, be supportive of them and accepting of them can make a huge difference because you don't know what they're experiencing at home. You don't know what they're experiencing from their family, their neighbors, their friends. Yeah, Having a place where they can go and feel accepted just for who they are can make a huge difference. Put a pride flag out. Be
0: fucking loud about it. Yeah. And I I would say my, my two cents is that be open about supporting LGBTQ people and kids and don't just tell a kid if they come out to you like oh that doesn't matter to me like that might sound supportive like it doesn't matter to me who you are you're just a great person but like they've been told all their life or at least part of their life maybe that who they are like sucks right that they suck for being gay or trans or whatever it is so tell them specifically like yeah this makes you special you are important you are great because of this not in spite of it whether or not you're gay be out and supporting queer people that
1: That is such a good point. And that leads me to something that I wanted to say, which is that I fully understand parents wanting to protect their kids from being harassed and from being assaulted. If you find out that your kid is LGBTQ+, if you find out that they're any of those things, your first thought might be fear about what they're going to experience. And that's scary. Mm -hmm. I get that. But if your kid is queer, your kid is going to be queer. Hiding Mm. that from them, not being supportive, isn't going to keep them safe. What's going to keep them safe is educating them. And on top of that, we have to stop punishing the LGBT people for the harassment that they're receiving. Yeah. We shouldn't be teaching them that they need to hide who they are or blend in with everyone else. Why aren't we teaching the bullies that it's not okay to fucking bully someone? Yeah. And that's, Basically, the heart of this matter, that Mm -hmm. it is critical to teach LGBT inclusive things, not only in sex ed, honestly, I think we need to be teaching it in history. We need to be teaching it in English because people need to understand
0: that LGBTQ people are fucking everywhere and And, like, have created culture and are part of it. They weren't just like some subculture that like demanded rights. Like you said, they're queer artists and writers mm-hmm. and scientists. and like they need to be included and noted for their accomplishments and for also being queer, especially during times when that wasn't acceptable. Exactly. I think that it's also important for straight people or people who perhaps don't identify as queer to be openly supportive because people in our generation, and perhaps even a little bit older, All of our role models, a generation ahead of us, fucking died. Like They died in the AIDS crisis. We lost an entire generation of people who would have been queer and trans and non-binary and gay and would have accomplished so many things, but they died in their 20s, 30s, and 40s. And so we don't have a lot of people to look up to and emulate and like see being super successful the way I hope the generation after us gets to see so many queer people succeeding and being amazing in life. So it is... Doubly important for people who are not queer to, to support people who are because of that. Right, right.
1: Whew! I step down from that. I'm crying, step. y'all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Everyone, get down from your soapbox. I'm just kidding. Let's stay up there. <laughs> no, <laughs> we,
0: we live here now. <laughs> and
1: in a more actionable way. Yeah. I think what I would say to do, if you don't have children donate some money, elect officials, do all the normal things that you can do for activism. Specifically, I've said it a million times, GLSEN, Gay Lesbian Straight Education Network is a great organization. They not only do this research, but they also do a lot of advocating in the political realm to help LGBT youth. Donate some Mm -hmm. money, volunteer some time, Elect people, particularly in local politics, because you know what makes the biggest difference is the people on your school boards. Go ask them, particularly if you have kids, that'll be an interest to you. Ask them what their sex education content looks like. A lot of states have rules that you are allowed to look over that curriculum. And if you don't like it, start lobbying for change.
0: Yeah. Just take away the knowledge that making sex ed more accessible to queer people or for and about queer people will make it more accessible for everyone. It will make your children's and your lives better. They will have more understanding of what it is to be a human in the world if they understand queer inclusive and generally inclusive sex education. Yeah,
1: exactly. It will make us all get along. On a final note, another way that you can help is by sharing this podcast, specifically this episode. Not only will the information we've presented hopefully help people better understand the need for LGBT inclusive sex ed, but for the next month until July 16th, Jen and I will donate a dollar for every listen to GLSEN, the Gay Lesbian Straight Education Network. They do amazing work to develop LGBT-supportive educators, create inclusive curriculums, and promote LGBT-affirming policies. I'm going to link their website in the show description if you want to check them out or make any additional donations. But again, for every listen, we will donate a dollar, so please share this episode with your friends. It's an easy way to donate, doesn't cost you a dime. We will announce the final dollar amount on our Instagram and on our website at the end of July. So get Sharon. <laughs> so that was a really information packed episode. I'm going to be linking a lot of the resources that I use to get this information in the episode description. So if you want to learn more, please check that out. And I'm also going to be linking a couple of longer form articles in this month's newsletter so if you're not subscribed to our newsletter please check it out on Substack you can find it just through the Sex Ed Podcast or you can see
0: it on our website sexedpodcast.com also you can find us on our Instagram at sexedpodcast you can find us did we already say our email? no we did not say our email what's our email Jen? whoa you can find us on email (laughs) chronic mail that is at uh, sexedpod at gmail.com. You can reach us through Carrier Pigeon, through our carrier
1: pigeon named Sex Ed Podcast. Just kidding. <laughs> no, I want a carrier pigeon. Okay, I'll look into it. Great. Donate money to us um, if you guys want us to get a carrier pigeon. Yes. Anyways, thank you to Kent for mastering our sound. Kent, 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 Kent. Thanks for listening, friends. Stay we love gay. You all. <laughs> do crime.
0: Bye. The one part that stands out to me from this that I still think about a lot is when she was going over like anal toys and anal sex safety and how you needed If you're gonna put something in your butt, you needed it to be flared on the end so that it didn't go inside your butt and get lost. Mm -hmm. So then she was like starting to point out things in the auditorium that you could put in your butt. (laughs) And she's like, I want you all to be walking around saying, Can I put that in my butt? Can I put that in my butt? Can I put that in my butt? (laughs) So sometimes I just see something with a flared base and I'm like, I could put that in my butt. (laughs) (laughs) I don't, I mean, that's a pretty good rule, but there's probably some things with flared bases that you shouldn't put in your butt. Try me, (laughs) Kaylee.